question. How many of you have ever seen anyone who is desperate? Probably all of us have at one point in time or another. Last Tuesday morning after I dropped my daughter Michaela off at school, I was driving down Ring Road, coming to the intersection of Ring Road and the Dixie Highway, the busiest intersection in the entire town. And I noticed the car in front of me had stopped and had the flashers on. So my first thought was I'll pull around and get to work. But my second and I think better thought was no, I should stop and try to help this person if I can. If you know anything about me, I know nothing about how to fix anything. Something needs to be fixed at my house, I call my wife. If she can't fix it, I'll call Mike Crutcher or somebody else, okay? And I don't know nothing about cars either. I'll call Gary or Johnny Ricketts. I know nothing, okay? But anyway, I thought, well, I should stop and see if there was anything I could do to help. So I... Uh, <clears throat> Stopped my car, turned my flashers on, and I, I found this lady, and I asked her if I could help. She said, I need to jump from my car. I said, I'm not sure if I have any jumper cables. And she says, I've got a battery charger here in the back seat. If you can help me get my hood open for my car, I will uh, maybe get this thing started. That would be great, I, but I need uh, your help to do that. So here I am on the corner of Dixie Highway and Ring Road trying to get this lady's hood open, and I'm having trouble, and she and I both finally get it together. And here we are trying to charge this battery, charge it one, two, three, four, maybe five times, but it would not hold a charge. And here I am standing out here, Edna Piscatello told me a few minutes ago, she saw me out there on Ring Road, like, what are you doing out there with this car underneath the hood? Because I know you know nothing about cars. <laughs> You're right. But anyway, she finally said, well, maybe I'll leave my hood up and a police officer will come. And, and, and one did. And thankfully, I just got a text from somebody after first service, Billy Bowling, one of our police officers, came and helped her out. We have a lot of great officers in our church. But anyway, that lady was desperate. Uh, that afternoon, I got a phone call from my wife, Monique. It's about 4.30. And uh, she said, can you come meet me over at the Kroger gas station over by the mall? Uh, I'm okay, but I, I need some help. And so I hear some guy talking in the background. It's like, okay, I'll be right there. So I drive over to the Kroger gas station. And, and when I arrive, to my chagrin, I see a, an ambulance, a police car. I see my wife talking to a police officer. And there is a strange man sitting in the front seat of my van who I've never seen before in my life. Come to find out, he had stumbled and fallen in front of Monika's van long before she arrived. It wasn't like she threw her brakes on to stop, but he was laying there in the pavement, and Monique stopped to try to help him, and she and a couple other ladies finally got him up to help him over to the curb, and uh, anyway, it was a long story, but uh, we finally, Monique and I, got him back home in Radcliffe to this really uh, run-down trailer with a guy with a whole lot of problems and a whole lot of needs. The guy was desperate. How many of you have ever been desperate? 
We probably all have been desperate at one time or another in our lives. Here in Jonah chapter 2, we see people who are desperate. And it all started when Jonah disobeyed God. God told Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and warn the people judgment is coming. But Jonah says to himself, I am not going to Nineveh. And so he gets on a boat and heads in the opposite direction toward a place called Tarshish. But he hadn't gone very far when God sent a storm. And that storm stopped the boat. And it looked like the boat was going to come apart. And the sailors and Jonah were all going to die. And the sailors were crying out to their God in desperation to their false gods. And Jonah, you know what he's doing? He's fast asleep in the bottom of the boat. The captain of the ship comes down to the bottom of the boat and says, Jonah, get up. Pray to your God. We're going to drown. Jonah said, hey, I'm the reason for the storm. In fact, if you will take me and throw me overboard into the water, the storm will stop. Well, the sailors had compassion on Jonah, and they decided that they didn't want to throw him overboard, so they row as hard as they can. They try to get to the shore, but they can't get there. And so finally, they say they've got no choice. And so they throw Jonah overboard into the water. Splash. Immediately, the storm stops The seas are calm. And Jonah's like, okay, we're doing better now. Not for long. Here comes Jaws. Swallows Jonah whole. We don't know if it was a great white shark or a sperm whale or some sea monster that God had prepared. But Jonah was literally swallowed by this great animal. Well, to his credit, while Jonah is inside this fish or this whale, this great white shark, this sea creature, whatever it was, he does the right thing. He prays. Jonah 2 verse 1 tells us, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. That's always a good place to start, to pray. There is nothing that we do that is more important than praying. And the Bible has a lot to say about prayer. The Bible says pray without ceasing. The Bible says in all things by prayer and petition, present your request to God. The Bible says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. Second Chronicles 7.14, God says, if my people who are called by their, my name shall humble themselves and say it with me, pray. God calls us over and over and over again to pray. But too often, we're like Jonah. We don't pray until we find ourselves in a predicament. Chapter 2, verse 1 is the first time in the book of Jonah where we see this prophet of God actually praying. Up until that time, he has received a command from God to go to Nineveh. But instead of going and instead of praying about what was wrong with his attitude, Jonah runs away. And truth be told, praying's got to be combined with obeying. That doesn't mean you can't be honest. Okay, Lord, I hate this assignment, 
I can't stand these Ninevites. Please, please, Lord, don't send me there. But God, if you are going to send me there, I'll go. I may not like it very much, but I'm willing to go wherever you lead me to go if that's what you've called me to do, and I will obey. Sometimes God is going to give you some assignments that you may not like. You don't want to work at that job. You don't want to be a part of that school. You don't want to walk across the street and talk to your neighbor. You don't want to sit by that person in church today. It's like, anywhere, Lord, but here. Oh, no, there she is. She's sitting by me today. Has God ever given you an assignment that you didn't want? I encourage you to trust in God, to pray and to obey. Jonah can't stand these Ninevites. In fact, he'd rather slide down a 50-foot razor into a swimming pool filled with alcohol than to go talk to those Ninevites. Yet God calls him to go. And he runs away. We all know when it comes to obeying God, there are good assignments and there are some that are not so good. Really difficult assignments. Lord, please don't ask me to do that. Please don't send me there. Please don't ask me to. You fill in the blank for you. Well, Jonah's a little late on the whole prayer and obedience thing. Like a lot of us, Jonah doesn't really start praying until he finds himself in a predicament. You ever been guilty of that? Life's going pretty good for you. Circumstances are kind of lining up. So you don't really pray very much. Don't really seek the Lord that much. And then you find yourself with bad news from the doctor, or you find yourself losing your job, or you find yourself in a place where you can't pay the bills, or you find out your kids are in big trouble, and all of a sudden you begin to pray. Now let me say this quickly. If you find yourself in a predicament, absolutely pray. There's nothing you can do better than to pray whenever you do it, but I encourage you also, don't wait. Pray at all times, in all circumstances, pray. But to Jonah's credit, at least now, he started praying. Up until that time, the heathens prayed, but Jonah didn't. Jonah ran. Jonah slept. He told the sailors to throw him overboard, but this is the first time in our story that Jonah really prayed. But in this prayer, to Jonah's credit, he stops to thank God. Verse 2, I cried out to the Lord. Because of my affliction. And he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried. And you heard me. You heard my voice. Jonah says. I was in trouble. But God heard me. In fact I'm still in trouble. But I'm trusting in my God. I was a little late getting there. But I'm trusting in God now. The name Sheol refers to the place of the dead. Some think Jonah died while in the fish. And God resurrected him. But Jonah probably meant I was at the point of death. It looked like I was going to die. I was as far down as I could go, but the Lord heard my cry. Verse 4, Jonah says, Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. I really did it this time, Lord, and I am in a mess. But Jonah says, Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. I may be a little late to the game, but I'm getting my eyes back on you, Lord. How many of you know that's really difficult when life gets you down? The same lady who I tried to help start a car last Tuesday 
I heard back some more from later. See, after I, I tried to get her car started, I thought about giving her my business card and saying, hey, I'm a pastor, and if there's anything we can do to help you, uh, let me know. But it was kind of just a quick split-second decision. I thought this might kind of sound self-serving, and so I didn't. But later on, after talking with Monique about her situation with this guy and about thinking about this lady, I thought, you know what, I need to try to find this lady if I can and, and let them know that we can help if she needs some help because I think she's really struggling. She's trying to work. She's trying to do her best. And so I, I noticed from her uniform she was wearing that where she probably worked and she probably wasn't making very much money. So I took a business card over there the next day and I went to find the lady. She wasn't there. A co-worker said she was off that day, but she would give her my card. And I said, that'd be great. Thanks. Well, I got a text from this lady on Thursday. I want to read it to you. Here's what she texted me last Thursday at noon. I appreciate the gesture of leaving your card at my work. I appreciate you stopping and trying to help me. I really do. However, I lost my faith seven months ago when this roller coaster ride of problems began with the death of my husband. What do you say to that? I don't know. I, I took a, a shot to try to say something. I texted back, so sorry for your loss. I can't imagine all that you've been through. I know God loves you even though it probably doesn't look like it right now. She texted me back. I'm sure he does in his own way. But when you lose the people and things in your life that you hold dear to your heart, you start to wonder, since his death, I have had to make a hard choice of letting my daughter live with family to keep her from suffering from all the bills that have accumulated since his death. I appreciate the gesture, though, and I'm sure there are plenty of people that can be helped. However, I'm too far gone for anyone to help me. I texted back. I can never begin to understand your pain, but I know God does. He demonstrated his love for you by sending his son to be tortured and die a horribly painful death that you might live with him forever. That's how much he loves you. He loves you right where you are. I want to stop and pray for this lady right now and for this man that Monique also ran into. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. I pray for this dear lady that you would meet her needs physically, emotionally, financially, spiritually, and guide us in anything and everything that we could do to help her. I pray also for this gentleman that Monique and I tried to help that same day. Minister grace in his life and help him, Lord, to know that he can get his life back together by the power of Christ. And Father, we pray for thousands of people around us in our county and beyond who really are struggling. And I pray for people in this room who may be struggling as well. Hear our prayer, Father. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we're not done yet. Somebody think, we are going to get out early. Yes.
Ain't going to happen in a Baptist church, okay? <laughs> but I'll move quickly. Go to verse 6. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O oh Lord my God. Okay, Lord, I may be in the bottom of the fish's belly, but you are taking care of me. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. When's the last time you praise God during the middle of your storm, in the middle of your crisis? You see, Jonah hasn't even been vomited out yet at Nineveh. I don't know about you, but for me, that'd be crisis enough, right? Here I am, I'm going to be vomited out of this uh, great fish. <laughs> but Jonah's not even there yet. He's still in the belly of a whale or shark or whatever this monster of the sea was, but he's praising God for what he's done so far. When's the last time you stopped to praise God for what he's done so far? Some of you may be thinking, well, he hasn't done much for me yet. He hasn't. Take a look over at this wall. What is that? It's cross, right? If Jesus Christ never did anything else for you, but come to this earth and die a horrible, excruciatingly painful death for your sin, I'd say he's done a lot. How about you? Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrate his love for you in that while you were yet a sinner, Jesus came to this earth and he died on the cross for your sin. He's not waiting for you to think about getting your act together. It doesn't matter where you have been or how mightily you might think that you have failed. Jesus Christ loves you and he demonstrated it by going to the cross for your sin. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, God made him who knew no sin, Jesus Christ, to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. Don't you ever say, God hasn't done much for you. He has done more for you than you can ever begin to imagine. No, your crisis is not over yet. In some ways, it may look worse than it did before. You may or may not have put yourself in the middle of it, but I am challenging you today to put your eyes on the same God as with Jonah in the belly of that great fish. To put your eyes on the same God who was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in that furnace of fire. To put your eyes on the same God who was with Daniel in the lion's den. To put your eyes on the same God who is with Queen Esther when she said, if I perish, I perish, but I'm going to the king. Put your eyes on the same God who was with Paul and Silas when they had been beaten and placed in the stocks in a prison. You put your eyes on Jesus Christ and you keep your eyes on him. Jonah, to his credit, does seem to get his eyes on the Lord, but he never really did have a heart of compassion for others. You'll see that next week in chapter four where Jonah's upset with God because the people he preached to in Nineveh did repent. Most preachers would have been thrilled, right? They'd been bragging about it. Hey, you're never gonna believe what I did. 
I went to this town of hundreds of thousands of people, one of the biggest cities in the earth at the time. And I warned them, I said, judgment is coming. And they all got right with God. Billy Graham doesn't even do that. If I'd been a Baptist preacher, I'd been putting that on my resume, right? Hey, you won't believe what happened down there, right? It's incredible what God did. But Jonah, like most Jews, hated the Ninevites. And was angry when they repented. You don't believe that? Watch his response starting in chapter 4 with verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly when he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish. For I know that you're gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore, it's better for me to die than to live. Jonah's heart was in the wrong place. Jonah should have been celebrating that thousands and thousands of people had been spared from the judgment of God. But Jonah's ticked off about it. He doesn't like it one bit. Now, you probably don't have anyone you dislike that much. But you probably have some people that you really don't like to be around a whole lot. And sometimes it's difficult to go and share with people who are different than we are. A little more of the story of of Manika and this guy that was at the Kroger gas station. He had a lot of issues, a lot of problems, needs some help with his electric bill. Had some other problems in his life as well. He was trying to get over some drinking issues, and he was pretty inebriated when we found him. But, but we, he's really trying to get his electric bill paid off, and we were kind of helping him with that. He had been collecting money. I didn't tell the first services. He'd been collecting money out on the street in order to pay his electric bill. He collected $45, and he wanted us to take him to the electric department to pay off part of his bill. But anyway, I shared with him a little bit about Jesus. And I'm usually the one, we're in a restaurant or somewhere, who's trying to talk to people about church and the Lord. But this time, Monique kind of took over. And she's talking to this guy about, you can be right with God, and you can do this, and you can get your life together. Like, you go, girl. We went over to the trailer. We went inside, and we start talking about that. The guy showed us his his cabinets, and it was really good, except he didn't have some meat. We got him some meat and all this kind of stuff the next day. But, but anyway, I mean, he's going on and on. The guy said, I don't know if I believe him. He said, I got a culinary degree. I could really cook Mexican food. Monique's like, hey, you get sobered up, you get straightened out, you come over to my house and cook. I'm thinking, now hold on just a second, girl. I'm not so sure about that. I don't know if I want this guy knowing where I live. But here's the deal. Sometimes, in order to reach people who are in need, you have to take some risks. And I will guarantee you that sometimes you're going to get burned. But I'd rather get burned a few times and see some people come to know Jesus than to play it safe all the time and everybody around you goes to hell because we didn't share Jesus with them. Somehow, some way, we got to share the Lord. Starts in our own neighborhood. If it doesn't stop there, it goes to the other 
uttermost parts of the earth. And if you're in awakening, you know we're working on some things we're going to do in our neighborhood. But we're not going to stop there. We're going to go to another street and another street and another street and another street. And eventually, as a part of what we're doing, we go to the world, right? Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. In Acts 1.8, he says, and you should be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's right here. In Judea, that's spreading out a little further. And Samaria. You know what Samaria was? That was people that the Jews despised. You may have to share Jesus with some people that you don't like a whole lot. Maybe people you're not real comfortable around. But we got to show. We got to go. We got to share. Even to the uttermost parts of the earth. Daniel Duda, I sitting over here. Been a missionary to El Salvador. is getting ready to go to the world. We're going to use him while he's here as well. And in you too, as we share Jesus with the world around us that desperately needs to know the Lord. Now, Jonah's got a long way to go as a prophet of God. But before you're too critical of Jonah, remember, you got a long way to go too. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got a long way to go. How many of you enjoyed saying that? Yeah. Truth be told, we all got a long way to go, do we not? Philippians 1, 6 says, he who started a good work in you is faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. He is not done with you yet. He's still working on you. He's still working on me. He's still working on us as a church. We got a long way to go. He's not done yet. And here's the deal. If you have never given your life to Christ as Savior and Lord, today is your day. You can start by following Jesus, by giving your life to him. He's calling you to himself today. Jonah, like us, is a mixed bag. Some things he gets right, and in some things he goes horribly wrong. But one thing he gets right, we find back in chapter 2, verse 8, when Jonah declares that salvation belongs to to the Lord. Say that with me. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So you can't get good enough to be right with God. You can't be kind enough or sweet enough or nice enough or thoughtful enough or generous enough. You can't go to church enough to be right with God. Salvation is a gift. Say the word gift with me. Gift. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. It's free. Say free with me. Free. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, it's by grace that we say through faith, that's not of yourself. It is a gift from God, not of works, lest anybody should boast. The Bible says there is none righteous, not even one. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ is offering salvation to you as a free gift today. And if you've never received the gift, I plead with you, receive the gift of salvation today. Give your life to Christ and follow him. Not only do we owe God for our eternal salvation, which is the most important, but we even owe him and depend upon him for our very life and breath and our very existence comes from God. Jonah understands that salvation is from the Lord, but Jonah's wrapped up in his own selfish little world. And he forgets that there are others around him who need the Lord as well. People of different countries and cultures 
even people that he despises. If we're not careful, we can be like Jonah. You're concerned about yourself. Concerned about what makes you comfortable. And we're not concerned enough about people around us who need Jesus Christ. And somehow, some way, we got to get the word out. People need the Lord. And we got to be instruments of his to go and to tell the good news. Verse 10. So the Lord spoke to the fish. And it vomited Jonah out. And it vomited Jonah out onto dry land. Can you imagine being Jonah? Jonah's had a pretty bad week, has he not? <laughs> he runs from God. God sends a storm. The only way the storm can stop is for Jonah to be thrown overboard. He lands in the water thinking maybe I can make it to shore. All of a sudden, this huge fish, boom, swallows him whole. He's in the belly of this fish or this whale, whatever it was. The Bible says literally three days and three nights. Some take that figuratively. I take that literally. Three days and three nights in the belly of this whale. Can you imagine what's going on while he's in there physically? He's probably got this gastric juices going on and his hair's getting bleached white and his body may be getting a little wrinkled and his clothes have got to be really disheveled. And then he gets vomited out on the shore. And there he is. Huh. Can you imagine? And can you imagine being that Ninevite fisherman? What in the world is going on? This huge fish comes, vomits this guy out on the shore. He gets up, looks at me, he says, repent. I don't know about you, I think I might repent. Some say he didn't really land in Nineveh, but he got there. But anyway, it's incredible what God did. God doesn't always deliver us the way that we want to be delivered. Sometimes it takes a lot to get our attention. C.S. Lewis once wrote, God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts in our pain. For somebody in this room, God may be shouting today. He's calling to you in the middle of your pain turn to him. For many of you, he's speaking in a still, small voice. I challenge you to hear his voice, to listen, and to obey. Would you pray with me?